I am really, really excited about this series that we're going into all in. Today's message, in my opinion, is the single most important message I could ever bring. It's the single most important message, and I think you'll understand as we go in this, into this series together. So let's get ready for all of that. Why don't we go and uh, get your, uh, however you need to be watching this. You can watch the projections behind us, but everything is going to be on the screens if you'd like to follow along. So, are you ready? Are you all in? Say, I'm all in. I'm all in. Okay, here we go. Today's uh, week one of a four-week message series entitled All In. All In. Everything we're going to talk about in these four weeks, we need to be all in. And uh, the message today is God's vision for your life. God's vision for your life. Our go-to verse that we're going to be using in this series, I'll sh- share this four times with you, in the four weeks that we're going to be doing it, it's going to be found in Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 16, and it says these words. So he, talking about Jesus, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now, this is Jesus coming to church. It was, his, it was what he normally would do. He would come to church. It was his custom. And he, uh, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus here is reading this from the Old Testament. It's also, again, in the New Testament. You'll hear that in just a moment. But Jesus um, is praying this prayer, uh, praying this prayer, and obviously Jesus understood, he understood that God has a vision for every single person. God has a clear vision for every single person ever born on this planet. And that vision is, is that God wants you to be saved God wants you to be healed, God wants you to be set free, and God wants you to be empowered. I want you to think about this with me. This is the will of God. This is what God wants for every single human being on the planet. God wants you to be saved, God wants you to be healed, God wants you to be set free, and God wants you to be empowered. Give me an amen if you would. I'm taking some, I'm pulling, you know that I pull some different people who inspire me and help me out, uh, but I'm going to be pulling a little bit out from uh, Chris Hodges, Church of the Highlands, as well as uh, the Brooklyn Tabernacle, Jim Simbola, and I'm going to be pulling a little bit extra from Robert Morris, which is, which is Gateway Church in Texas, and, and th- this is a great message, man. This is, I am so excited about giving this. I'm going to probably stutter and stammer through the whole thing, so bear with me, because this is really exciting. This is really a wonderful thing. I believe I believe that the Holy Spirit will powerfully apply each of of these, uh, especially uh, for you and I. God wants to speak to us. He wants to give you the word. He wants us to be a part of your life today. So this series, this series is going to be a little bit more on the teaching side than on the inspirational side. So we're going to be digging deep here and there different times throughout the series. So God's vision for our life. The first one that we're going to be talking about today is to be saved. Is to be saved. What does it mean to be saved? To be saved means to be made whole in spirit, soul, and body. Think with me. 
Think about what we're talking about. To those of you who maybe have never come to a church like this before, you're going to hear some things that I trust that God will just sort of stir inside of you because this is life. What we're talking about is going to be life-giving to all of us in this life as well as our next life. So, The first one is saved, and so the question is, what does it mean to be saved? To be saved means to be made whole in spirit, soul, and body. We will give our lives to the Lord, and as we give our lives to the Lord and receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, when that happens, immediately, immediately, uh, we are saved. When you give your life to God, when you give your life to Jesus, immediately you are saved. The second thing that we find is our soul. Our soul, by the way, all of us have this. It is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So our our soul, uh, that is in the process of being saved. And then we find here on the third part is that our body will be saved uh, when we get to heaven. So I want to talk to you about these things. So let me just show you a few scriptures with what I've just said to you so far. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, and it says this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, listen to this, but to us who are being saved. It says, but to us who are being saved, that's present tense. For those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Let me go to the second verse I want to give you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15. And it says these words. It says, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But listen, he himself will be saved. But he himself will be saved. That's a future tense of the word of being saved. He will be saved, yet so through fire. And then the third verse that I want to give you is a very familiar to almost all of us in this room, I'm assuming. And that's Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. And it says these words. This is really important. For by grace, you have been saved. It's talking about the different ways, the approaches to to being saved, what this is all about. And it says here, it says, um, for by grace, you have been saved. Have been saved, of course, is a past tense. How many of you at the church have been saved? Just raise your hand to me, would you please? Okay, so the huge majority of us have been saved. So let me continue on with what he says here. Uh, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now listen, I want you to notice that salvation is by grace, through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Lest anyone should boast. In other words, what's being told to us by the Apostle Paul in this, what he is telling us is there will be no boasting in heaven. There will be no boasting in heaven. Every person in heaven will completely understand that we are in heaven completely and totally by the grace of God. Correct? By the grace of God. And that we have to do our part too. And we have responded. We have responded to the grace of God. We have responded to his grace. So here's what we just read. We just read to be made whole in spirit, soul, and body. Um, There are those who, who are being saved. Again, there's the present tense. There are those who will be saved, the future tense. Family, friends, people that you know and love will be saved. And then those who have been saved, which is in the past tense. So there is a past tense to this word 
called saved that we see within the scriptures um, that we have to talk about today, that we have to understand. This, this is an incredible message. The truth that you're going to hear is mind-boggling, at least to this guy. I'm a simple guy, and I'm just being blown away by all of this, that we have been saved we need to talk about this and understand that we have been saved. And the best way to understand this is that we are triune beings. When God created you and I, we all have three parts. And the three parts is and will be the body, the soul, and the spirit. We all have that, the body, the soul, and the spirit. Every one of us are living in that today. And what we're finding here within the word of God is that our bodies Three points I want to make you dealing with the bodies, body, soul, and, and our, our, our uh, what was the last one? Body, soul, and spirit. That's what it was. Um, our bodies will be saved in the resurrection. Our bodies will be saved in the re re uh, resurrection. So here's what the Bible tells us with all of this. It says that we're going to get a new body. In the resurrection, once we die and we go to heaven, we get a brand new body. We get a brand new body. And the Bible says our body is going to be perfect. In other words, you're not going to believe how good I really look when I get to heaven. And to be honest with you, I'm not going to believe you when I see you when you get to heaven. The Bible says we're going to be perfect. It's going to be perfect because our bodies will be saved. And all of this happens not in this life, not right now here but in our next life. Because the fact of the matter is today, today right now, we live in decaying bodies. You understand that? We believe in healing and we pray for healing. We've seen God heal many people here at Word of Life over many years of our ministry. But listen, even if and when you get healed by God or you get healed by doctors or you get healed by surgery, however it is that you're being healed, your body is still decaying. I had open heart surgery 12 years ago. I don't know how many years ago. I think I was wrong with that number. But a number of years ago, back in 2012. So however long ago that was. Uh, I had, but my body is still dying. It's decaying. Just because I had open heart surgery doesn't mean I'm perfectly healthy for the rest of my life forever and ever. Amen. You know, it's not that at all. The fact of the matter is we, we, every one of us are still going to die. But our bodies will be saved with a brand new body in heaven. The second part is our soul. Again, our soul deals with our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our soul is being saved. Again, there's that past tense to that. Our souls are being transformed and renewed into the mind of Christ. And to understand that word saved, we, we need to go to the original Greek. We need to go to the original word that was given to us in the Greek because it gives a complete understanding. The word in the Greek is pronounced sodzo. Sodzo. S-O-D-Z-O. Sodzo. Sodzo means to be made whole in spirit, soul, and body. So when you talk about being saved, when you see it within the word of God, it's talking about the fact that our souls are being made, are, are, are being made perfect. And so, uh, sozo means our spirit, soul, and body. So it actually means, now listen, to be made perfect. Now, I, I don't know what you think about you, but I can tell you what I think about me. I am far from perfect. I am very, very, very far from perfect. I'm far from perfect in my body, in my, in my appearance, in my weight that I have and keep on gaining because you people keep on giving us food. Uh, but the fact of the matter is we, we all have, we all have this, this thing within us that, that, uh, that you and I are, are trying to figure through how we're going to get through all of this. And uh, so it's talking about 
Sozo is talking about the idea that one day we're going to have a perfect body is what God promises us. One day our bodies will be perfect, our souls are going to be perfected and are going to be made whole, which takes us to the third point of this is that our spirit has been saved. And there's the past tense. Our spirit has been saved. If you accepted what Jesus did on the cross for you, listen, your spirit, if you have accepted Christ, listen to this, this is incredible. Your spirit has a perfect relationship with God. Your spirit, maybe not your mind, you know, maybe not, not, maybe not your, the way you talk, but the Bible tells us that your spirit is in perfect relationship with God. Jesus paid the full price for all of our sin. So what happens when a person gets saved? I wanna give you seven things. Yeah, this is gonna be a seven point message, but we're gonna go quick. They're not very long. Any of them are not very long at all. So let me give you seven things. When a person gets saved, here are seven things that you experience. Number one, it's a gift. Number one, it's a gift, listen. You and I really need to get this through our head because if we, don't be, if we don't understand this beginning part of this message, it messes up everything else in your walk with God. Listen, we have to understand that our salvation is a gift. You have to understand our salvation is a gift. Maybe let me say it another way. It is not a goal to achieve. It is a gift to receive is what we're supposed to be doing. And you can't have it both ways. If it's grace, then it's not works. If it's about works, like you being a good person, by you, like you giving money and thinking that all of these things that you're doing is going to get you to heaven, it's not by works. And if it's works, then it's not by grace. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 11, verse six, sort of confusing, but let me read it to you. And it says this, and if by grace, then it is no longer works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So what the Apostle Paul is saying to us here, he's saying that if it's a gift, you can't pay for it. If it's a real gift, you can't pay for it. I got a few Christmas gifts this year, like probably all of you have. And when I opened up the gift, I, Marianne didn't say, and here's the receipt and you need to pay for that gift I just got you. Didn't happen that way. It was a real gift that came to me. The gift is for what you and I, we, we, can't, we can't pay for it, we can't earn it, otherwise it's not a gift. You can't pay for the salvation that God has given you. Let me say it again. You can't pay for the salvation of God that he has given you. You couldn't pay for it before you got saved, and here's where a lot of Christians have a problem, and you can't do it after you've been saved. You can't do it after you're, it's either a gift or it's earned. So however you're thinking right now, maybe I gave my life to the Lord 48 years ago. Maybe you've been three years, maybe you've been 33 years in your walk with God. But you can't start paying God because you think you owe him in, in that area. According to the Bible, it is a gift that must be received. You need to receive this gift. So at the end of this message, when I make an opportunity for people to receive Christ, you have to be someone to receive this. You have to be the one who would say to God, I received this gift that you have given me. Point number two is it's eternal life. This is great. It's eternal life. Go with me to Romans chapter six, verse 23. And it says these words, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord, in Christ our Lord. 1 John chapter five, verse 13. 
And it says these words, listen, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You have eternal life is what he says, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know is what the scripture says, that you may know, not that you may think, but you need to have it resident within you, that you know, that you know that you have eternal life, that you know, God forbid, if anything horrible happens to you this week, and you're dead, that you know that you're going to be in heaven with God and with all the other saints, that you'll be there, is what the, what the scriptures is telling us. So when we talk about it's eternal, there are two questions I think that maybe people would want to have answered, so I'm gonna give it to you. First question is, how long is it? How long is eternal? Well, eternal means forever. It means forever and ever. You're, you, you, you're gonna be in one of two places forever when you die. You're either gonna be with God forever and ever in heaven, forever. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men what God has in store for those who love him. Or you're going to be in hell because you've rejected God. You chose not to receive the free gift that he gave you, wanted to give you. So the second question is, so when does eternal life start? Now when you ask that, answer that question, a lot of people think, well, it starts when I die. You know, when my body's dead is when it's, no, it's not that, it's not that way at all. It does start when you die, but when you die to self. When you die to yourself, that's when it really, that's when it really happens for you. It's when you accept Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And from that moment on, you are now living forever. You are now living forever. Actually, for me, Randy Chiz on July 5th, 1971, in the south side of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I died that day. I was 16 years old, and I died that day. I died to myself. I died, and I gave my life over to Jesus that day. And now Jesus lives inside of me, and there's coming a day and, uh, that Jesus is going to, who is living inside of me, that he's going to look at me, and he's going to say something like this. Someday he's going to say this. He's going to look at me, and he's going to say, you know what, Randy, you and I have been living in your house for a long time now. We're so far 64 years. Well, actually 48 years I've been living with him. And he says, how about if you come to my house? And if I look at him and say, I'm ready, man. I'd love to go to your house. Then all of a sudden, this body, this body right here that you think is perfect, but it's not. I'm just kidding. This body is going to fall to the ground and it's going to be dead. But once it's dead, I'm going to live in the fullness of what God, what heaven has in store for me and for you. Number one, it's a gift. Number two, it's eternal life. Number three, it's forgiveness. This blows my mind. These, these next couple are, blow my mind. It's forgiveness. Acts 13, 38, it says, Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man Jesus is preached to you the forgiveness of sin. Just let it be known. Let it be known to this generation. Let it be known in this world today. Let it be known today that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of of your sins. I don't care how bad your sins are. Forgiven. If you would make that move toward God. I love Jeremiah 31, 34. It's not in your notes, but it's, I will remember their sin no more is what God says. But my favorite verse dealing with sin is Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse 12, and it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions against us. That is incredible. I know I read it quickly, but I say it again. As far as the east is from the west, you can only imagine how far that is. 
So far has he removed our transgressions from us, our sins from us. So let me tell you what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is the complete release from the penalty that was against us. There was a penalty against us. You're going to hear about it in a minute. But forgiveness is the complete release from the penalty that was against us. It's not a partial release. It's not a little bit, let's see if you're good enough to hang in there kind of a relief. No, it's the complete total release. The total release that he has chosen to remember our sins no more. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause. A round of applause. He's a good God. I say it this way, maybe someday, maybe someday soon. I don't know how long before I go. But someday I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of God. And what I'm understanding according to the scriptures is if one of my old classmates back in high school who knew me for who I was back then and all of a sudden they see me at the throne of God's grace and they were to ask God a question and would say something like this hey God what what are some of the sins that Randy was dealing with before he came to know you what kind of sins was he involved with listen to what God is going to say for me and listen to what God is going to say for you when they ask that question he's going to do this I can't remember I can't remember his sins. And it's not that God can't remember because he's unable to remember because we know that our God, he's an omniscient God. In other words, he is an all-knowing God. He's an all-knowing God is what we see according to the word of God. But God has chosen, he has chosen that he had, he had made a choice when I accepted his son Jesus back in July of 1971 when I received Christ. When I received Christ as my Savior, when I accepted Christ, God says in his word, he removed my sins from me as far as the east is from the west. And that's what's available to you as well. The same thing, Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west. And then there's, there's, um, and there's no scripture that would declare to us that God is going to go out and fish again for the sins that you and I have committed and bring them back and show, shove them in our face. It's not that way at all. We are forgiven by God. What an amazing uh, deal that we are getting and, and that we would be able to follow Christ. What an amazing, amazing gift that God has given us. Give me an amen. Number four, it's justification. It's justification. Being saved is being justified in the, sa- in the uh, sight of God. Justification is defined as being saved, uh, being saved and in, in, in being justified in the sight of God. Go with me to Romans chapter three, verse 24. It gets incredible. This is incredible to me. It says in verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Let me read to you a part, partial, uh, a part of the verse of Galatians chapter two, verse 16. And it says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus. The only way, my friend, the only way you are forgiven of your sin is through Jesus. What Jesus has done for you, what Jesus Christ has done for me. You and I are not in right standing with God because how good we are. No, there's only 11 of you that believe that. You and I are not in right standing with God because of how good we are. Well, there's 22 now, anyhow. But the fact of the matter is, this just, it just blows my mind. I'm sorry I'm saying that so often, but I've had my nose in this for a number, many, many hours. 
And when I see all of this, I just get a little bit excited. The root word to justified, the root word to justified is, is just, the word just. And it also means justice. And what it means to be, to be uh, justified in the sight of God. Listen to this, listen to this. It means that God is a just God and it is justice for God to sentence us to heaven. Because God is a just God, it is justice for God to sentence us to heaven. People get this all messed up. People ask the question, well, why would a loving God send people to hell? And the answer to the question is God doesn't send people to hell. God does not send people to hell. But we are already on our way to hell. But, but God is, is in his grace sends us to heaven. He sends us to heaven. We are destined for hell without God, without Christ. But God sends us to heaven. Do you know why? Because Jesus paid the full price for the sins that we've committed. This is so good. Since Jesus paid my full price, if I have believed it, and if I have received what he has done, God himself then is obligated to let me be free, to let me go free. I am free when that happens. And when you and I accept that truth, we become justified before God. It's something that you need to receive. This is nothing you have to work for. It's been done for you. And it's being given to you freely if you would be willing to receive that. It's for you and I to receive freely. This is so good. This is just so good. Because he's a just God. And a just God can't punish two people for the same sin. And God has already punished his son Jesus. And when you and I accept that truth, when you and I realize this is nothing I can do, but it's everything that Jesus has done for you, when you and I accept that truth, again, we're free. We're free of that. We're justified before God. And believe it or not, because of what Jesus did for us, again, mind-boggling, to God it is just as if we have never sinned. I don't want to know your past. I don't want to know your sins. I don't want to know the things you're ashamed of. And I don't ever want to tell you about the depth of my sin because it's so disgusting. But we find here within the word of God to God, because of what Jesus has done for us, it's just as if we have never sinned. God looks at me, God looks at you every single day, every day, every day. Every time you curse, every time you make a mistake, every time you begin to gossip, whatever the things are that you do and I do. Every day he looks at us just as if we've never sinned. Being saved, it is a gift, it's eternal life, it's forgiveness, it's justification and Number five is it's righteousness. It's righteousness. Romans chapter four, verse three. For what does, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. For righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. There's two words I want to zero in on with this really quickly with you. The first one is the word righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness means to be in right standing with God. It doesn't mean you're doing right things. To be righteous doesn't mean you're doing right things. That's, that's righteous living is what you're talking about. But righteousness means being in right standing with God. Being in right standing with God. Let me tell you why we can be righteous and can have righteousness 
in God's sight. Let me tell you how that can happen. It's because Jesus did the right thing. That's why. The only reason why you can be in right standing before God is not because of you. It's because of him. It's because of what Jesus has done. We didn't do the right thing. We haven't been doing the right thing, but he has. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. The second word I want to talk to you about is the word accounted. Let me talk to you about, this is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy what I'm going to tell you. It's, a, it's accounted. The word accounted, of course, is the root word of the word of account. Like the word in accounting, it's literally about accounts and taking care of accounts where you have this much in this account and you have that much in the other. And sometimes you want to move one account from one to another account. And here's what happened. Again, this is crazy. This is amazing. In my account, in Randy Chiz's account, there was sin. Believe me, there was sin. In Jesus' account, there was righteousness. And here's what God did that is absolutely incredible. It is incredible. God took all the sin out of my account and put it in Jesus' account. When Randy Chiz said on July 5th, 1971, I said, if this is real, I want it. Bam! All of a sudden, my whole life changed before my eyes. At that very instant, God took all of my sin out of my account and put it in Jesus' account. Isn't that incredible? Don't you think God deserves a round of applause for his greatness? He's amazing. And that's why Jesus died for our sins, for your sins and my sins. Jesus was found guilty for my sin. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, memorize this one. This is a great one. For he who knew no sin became sin for me, that I become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what the apostle Paul tells us. Listen, listen. God actually has taken the sin of the whole world, the sin of all humankind. God has actually taken the sin of the whole world and put it in Jesus' account. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever would believe will not perish. Listen, every person's sin in the world has already been paid for. And they are forgiven. Every person in the world. However, however, they are not all saved. They are not all saved. Even though it's in their account that they have been forgiven, they're not all saved. Do you know why? Because you and I have to believe. It starts by believing. You and I have to believe. And then you and I have to accept what Jesus, your Savior, has done for you. It can't be because of how great and wonderful you are, man. It's because of how great and wonderful our Savior is, Jesus. Come on, give me an amen. Again, God took all of my sin and put it into Jesus' account. And then when I believed, then he took Jesus' righteousness and he put his righteousness in my account as well. You have to understand that you have a choice. You really do. I started that off in the beginning. You have a choice. We can't get this one wrong. You have a choice. Every person's sin is paid for. And of course, the question is, then why are people going to hell? And it's simple. It really is simple why people are going to hell. The Bible doesn't tell us that he who sins goes to hell. Look it up. The Bible doesn't tell us that he who sins goes to hell. But it says to us in John chapter, John chapter 3, verse 36. And it says these words as soon as I can find it. John what? 
John 3, 36. Oh, come on, Randy. Have you got it up there on the screen? <laughs> Could you make it a little bit bigger so I can? He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Listen, but he who does not believe. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. It's not about whether you're good or bad, because we're all bad, but God has put into our account the righteousness of God. He who believes in the Son of God has everlasting life, but he who does not believe, the Son shall not, the son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on them. You need to understand the enemy does everything he can in his power to cause you to be confused, to cause you to walk away from the gift that God has given each and every one of us. We have been saved by God's grace. Listen, it's a free gift. It's eternal life. It's forgiveness. It's being completely justified. It's righteousness and it's free. Number six is it's redemption. It's redemption. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And that's number six. And it says these words. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have, have from God? And you are not your own. Did you hear that? You are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It's, we're talking about redemption here. Please hear me. If you're saved, hear me clearly. If you are saved, if you are saved, if you are saved, you are not your own. You are not your own. You do not belong to yourself. And the word of God tells us here, it says that the word redeemed, it means to purchase back. In the beginning, God gave ownership or a deed to the world and he gave it to Adam and Eve. And of course, all of us know, most of us know that God gave them dominion and they, Adam and Eve, lost that dominion and gave it over to Satan. And then Jesus came and legally purchased it all back. Jesus purchased the world and every person in the world. Jesus actually owns it all. But, but he created you and I in his image. <coughs> so, because, so, so because God created you and I in his image, that means you have a free will. You're not a robot. You don't do things because you're cute and turning knobs and all that other stuff that needs to be done. It's not that at all. You and I you and I have a free will. And as a result of that, you can choose whether or not you want to serve God. So Jesus has already purchased you. He paid for you. If you chose, if you chose to become his property, if you are saved, and if, then the Bible says you are not your own. If you have given your life to Jesus from that moment on, you're not your own. You belong to him. You belong to him. A year after I was saved, I have shared this story many different times over my years. But if you, a year or so after I had gotten saved, I went back to my old lifestyle. About a year after that, I went back to my old lifestyle, and I was worse than ever before at that time. But thank God for my high school sweetheart that I married, Marianne, my wife of 46 years. <laughs> um, she gave her life to the Lord, and I knew instantly when she went to the church and she gave her life to Jesus, I knew immediately that God was still calling me, that I hadn't done so much bad that he would never allow me to come back in. But he received me. 
If you're truly saved, and if today you have backslidden, today you know, you're a little bit uncomfortable with what I'm talking about right now. If you're here today and you have truly given your life to Jesus and you backslide, I want to tell you what's going to happen to you. (laughs) And it's wonderful news. You're going to hear God say something like this. You're mine. You belong to me. Not to this world. Not to the lies of the enemy. You are mine and you belong to me now. And you're not going back to that old lifestyle. It's called redemption. God has legally purchased you back. It is a gift. It is eternal life. It is forgiveness. It's justification. It's righteousness. It's redemption. And it is free. It is absolutely free. My last and my final point is this. It now becomes, it's all in. It's all in. God wants you to be all in with this. If you've never received Christ as your Savior and today's going to be the day, I'm forewarning you, my friend, He wants you to be all in. (laughs) He wants you to be all in. Your Heavenly Father does not want to be second fiddle in His relationship with you. He wants to be first. He wants to be in first place with you all in. In the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 3, not in your notes, you shall have no other gods before you is what He says. That's number one of the Ten Commandments. He created you in the image of God. And he gave you life. He says in, in, in uh, Jeremiah 31.3, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. In Jeremiah 29, many of you know these verses, verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope is what he says. Every step of the way that God took for our salvation, that we would be saved, God over and over declares his love for you and his commitment, his life of fullness that he wants to give you and have you live in, not just in this life here, but in all of eternity. Now, I don't know who you are, but I know that there are some, maybe many, who are here. And you know, you know today, you're not all in. You know you're not all in. Maybe three years ago you gave your life to Jesus. Maybe 33, uh, 35, 50 years ago you gave your life to Jesus. And you said yes to him, but today there is no life with you and God. There's no passion. There's no fire burning within you. There's no relationship with God. I'm telling you, my friend, listen to me. Your pastor today, if you don't ever want to come back, I understand it. But listen, this is serious stuff that we're dealing with. I close off by reading to you Matthew chapter 7. One of the scariest chapters in all of the scriptures. Verse 21 says, Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does, who does the will of my Father, is what Jesus says. Here's what Jesus is saying to us, to some of us who are not all in. You're only going through the motions when you call me Lord, Lord, because I know I'm really not your Lord. You're the one who's in charge. You're the one that's making the decisions. You're the one who has decided, I'm still in control. The second verse is, it says in verse 22, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about it. Who do you think Jesus is talking to at this point? Who are the people that you think Jesus is talking to? Oh, you're, he's probably talking to the people in the bars, Pastor. You know, those no good people sitting around bars drinking beer and drinking all the whiskey and wine. He's probably talking about them, right, Jesus? 
I don't believe it for a moment. Because the people in the bars more than likely don't give a hoot about God. So they're not talking about God. I don't even want to say these words. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the church goers. He's talking about the people who say, I'm a Christian, but they're still in control. And the last verse, verse 23, and it says, says these words. And then I would declare to them, listen, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, this is the scariest verse for Randy Chiz in all of the Bible. It may not bother you one bit, but it bothers the snot out of me. Our salvation cost God everything, everything in giving of us his son. And could it be that those of you who are still in charge, could it be that maybe you never really did come to the place that you really sincerely said to God, you're in control. You are in control of my life no matter what. I'm asking you, don't mess with this one, guys. Please don't mess with this one. These verses scare me to death. Maybe you have never really gave God complete control of your life, and maybe today is the day that you're thinking maybe you should. Being saved is a very big deal to God, and if you have any doubt at all right now as I'm closing, please close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment. If you have any doubt whatsoever if you're saved or not, why would you take a chance and not deal with this today? Why not say to God, today, God, I give you my everything. Maybe you're sitting high on the hog financially. Maybe everything is going amazingly wonderful for you. Thank God. Thank God. Or maybe you're someone who's lost everything. Lost everything, not just finances, but relationships. You lost the marriage. You lost your kids. You lost your parents, whatever, whoever those people may be. Why not say to God today, God, I give you my everything. I make a total commitment to Jesus Christ today. Become the Lord and leader of my life. I'm going to ask you real quick, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you today, I want to say a real quick prayer, simple prayer, simple prayer, simple prayer. And um, if you want to receive Jesus, you're not being a member of Word of Life Church, but receiving Jesus, if that's what you want to do, Pray this prayer with me. You can whisper it. You can say it aloud, or you can just say it in your own lips, moving within your own heart and mind. I just want you to say this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I believe what you did on the cross was for me. Forgive me of my sins and become the Lord and leader of my life. Please keep your heads bowed. Please keep your heads bowed. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time or the 31st time, if you just prayed this prayer, would you lift up your hands and just hold it up? I'm going to go from my left to the right. Many hands, many hands. Come on. Keep on doing it. Keep on lifting them up. You're making it right with God right now. Father, I pray for all of these who are making that decision today that you would invade them with your love and grace. And I believe you for it in Jesus' name.